Good morning. My name is Linda Keller. For those of you who don't know me yet, I've met a lot of you and it's been a joy. And I want to tell the boys and girls to pay attention to this story. It's a true story that we're reading from the Bible today. And it really has a lot of suspense in it. So listen, we even talk about a ghost. So pay attention. Those of you that want to follow along may find it in our Pew Bible on page 821. It is Matthew 14 through 21. Page 820, excuse me, page 820, Matthew 14, 13 to 21. And I'll give you just a minute to find it. Actually, I have a contradiction here in my notes because it said I'm reading 14, 22 through 36. So we'll see which is true, <laughs> the one in black or the one in red. What do they put up here? Ah, 22 through 36. So we're going to follow with what the, is in red, okay? All right, here we go. <clears throat> Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountains by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way out from the land and was being beaten by the waves and the wind was going against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And it began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and the water was still. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent all around the region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Linda. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, if we haven't met, my name is Chris, or Pastor Chris, as I'm sometimes known. Glad that you guys are with us. A couple of quick announcements. If you're in the room and you are under 12 years old, there are some packets for you. 
we have a fruit snack exchange program. So in there you have some activity sheets, you have some places you can draw some things. When we're done with the service, if you're quiet and pay attention, you can bring that activity sheet to someone in the back of the room. Normally Mr. Rob is back there. He will take your piece of art and give you some fruit snacks. If you're watching online, there's actually a link where your mom and dad opened up the little window to watch the service. You can download that packet. And if your parents will take a picture of that artwork and you can bring that back next week, we would love to give you retroactively some fruit snacks. You can ask your parents what retroactive fruit snacks is. Last time we did this, I promised to mail them. But did you know if fruit snacks make it an official package, which is like six bucks rather than like a stamp? So that is not a cost-effective strategy for us. So kids, don't worry about that. What you need to know is that artwork is for you to help engage with the service. would love for you to download that and be with us for a little bit. Also, kids, at the end of the service or when I'm done talking in about 10 to 15, 12, 7 minutes, we'll see how this goes. Uh, we're going to take communion. Communion is a special time for those who are trusting Jesus to show their faith. And the symbol of communion is the broken body of Jesus in the bread, and then the little cup of juice represents his blood. And when someone takes communion, they're saying they're trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus, his broken body, and his shed blood to forgive them of their sins. And so it's reserved for those who are trusting in Christ. So let me just say this morning, if you've never taken communion before as a child, maybe today's not the best day to start that. You could ask your parents after the service, and you could say, hey, I really do want to trust Jesus, or what does it mean to trust Jesus? You could ask them to explain communion to you. And if you want to talk to one of our pastors, we would love to spend some time because you're really important, and communion is a really special thing. There's no need to rush that this morning. So when we take communion, if you've never taken it before as a child, don't feel pressure to do that. You can talk to your mom and dad after the service, and then maybe next time we take communion, if you guys feel like you're ready, that would be a good time to take that. I just want to say that up front now so you don't feel uneasy when we get time to that space, because I might say, if you're trusting Jesus, come take communion, and maybe you're six years old or seven years old, and you say, I, Pastor Chris, I am trusting Jesus, and I want to say I'm really thankful for that. Like, I love that you love Jesus and that you trust him, and then as your church, we want to go really slow in those really important conversations and take time to honor you and ask your, uh, hear your story and answer some of your questions, and so so just want to set you up for that. We'll talk some more about it after today. If you feel like you're ready, would love to have that conversation with you, okay? Moms and dads, hope that helps. If you want to have conversations there in the pew, you can do that. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll jump into this really amazing story. Jesus, thank you for our church family. Thanks for those who are here for the very first time. Uh, would you be gracious to them who are kind of caught off guard, maybe? Uh, help them. Would you be with them? Would you speak to all of us? And I ask for a sense of like joy and excitement and energy that also brings about a calm and a focus. So Holy Spirit, would you help us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, hey kids, we are in chapter 14 of Matthew, which means we're kind of in the middle of the book. Let me just give you a quick kind of where we are. Jesus has been doing a lot of show and tell. How many of you guys are excited about school starting back up? Yeah, yeah. All right, how many moms and dads are excited about school starting back up? Heck yeah. All right, so you got some classes that you love. You got PE, you got lunch, things like that. You got to see your friends. One of my favorite things as a kid was show and tell, where somebody would bring something from their vacation from summer or the new Lego set, and they would bring it in the class, and they would tell us all about it. We get to look at it. They get to tell us why it's important to them, and we took turns showing and telling. In a lot of ways, what Matthew is doing is this big version of show and tell, and what he's showing and telling, we see here in this text at the end of verse 33, what he wants you to see, what he wants to show you is that Jesus is God's Son. So in verse 33, after they watch this scene, they worship Jesus and say, truly you are the Son of God. 
So Matthew has been showing us miracles Jesus has done. He's been telling us about Jesus' teaching. Then he'll go back into showing us some of his miracles. Then he'll go back into some of his teaching. So he's been doing this big show and tell to help us understand both in teachings and in God keeping his promise and in the miraculous things that he does that Jesus really was the Son of God. In that space, what I want to focus on this morning is just showing you that. I want to do what Matthew does and just show you the way this text tells us that Jesus is the Son of God. So I just got three little easy points. The first one is this. Jesus shows us he is really God by showing his power. So kids, look with me in that text. Maybe if you can read. If you can't read, you heard Miss Linda read it beautifully. Do you remember some things in that text where Jesus showed his power? Anything there you want to call out? What did you see in that text? Where did Jesus show his power in this passage? He walked on water. That's amazing. That's a ton of power. I can't do that. He calmed the storm. That's another amazing show of power. I can't do that. I bet you can't do that either. Do you see anything else? He he healed sick people, and he even invited somebody else to get out of the boat and walk on water with him. This is a ton of power that Jesus shows. What Matthew wants us to see in this show and tell is that Jesus is not like anybody else. And in fact, he does things that only God can do. So when you hear this story and you say, wait a second, people don't walk on water. That doesn't happen in real life. That's exactly the point. The point is that Jesus is not just like a regular person. Now, he had a real body. He had a mom. He grew up as a child. He lived on earth. He was a real person, but he was more than just a person. And as people are asking, who is this one who's teaching us all these things? Who is this one that's doing all these miracles? Matthew wants you to see that Jesus has the power of God. God himself is the one who calms storms, who walks on waters, who can heal the sick, who can invite somebody else to join him to walk on water as well. So so point number one, Matthew wants to show you that Jesus is God by showing you how much power he has, the kind of unique power that only God has. Point number two, come on, get some hope in that. Point number two, Jesus is showing us his power by reminding us what God has done. Matthew wants to show us who Jesus really is by reminding us of what God has done. This story is amazing. It's a beautiful story. It's a story that actually happened, and we know that because of the eyewitnesses. We know that from some of the details that happened there, but it's a story that points to something even bigger than this story. So Matthew's been doing a lot of show and tell, and in the last passage, there's this feeding of the 5,000. He had a little bit of bread, and he fed all these people with just a couple of loaves and a few fish. And if you were in that room, you would remember another story of the time that God fed his people out in the wilderness almost from nothing. He just kind of made bread appear and he fed a whole bunch of people every single day for 40 years. And so if you're on the hillside there where Jesus does this feeding of the 5,000, you would have remembered that story of another time that God showed his power by feeding his people with miracles. And now as Jesus walks on water, those same people would be thinking, wait a second, I know another story about how God interacted with water in miraculous ways. So in the book of Exodus, way back at the beginning of the Bible, we see that God is delivering his people from slavery. And as he's delivering them, the enemies are coming after them. And the way God delivers them is miraculously by spreading out the water and they walk across it. 
So in that space, to see them walking across the water or through the water or between the water would have reminded these people of another time that God delivered them through walking on water, showing God's miraculous power. There's even places in there where Jesus says, hey, I am, I am the one who's here, which would have been a call back to that same Exodus passage. There's several things in this text that Matthew highlights for us, even the time that it happens. To say that it happens in the fourth watch of the night, that's between like 3 and 6 a.m., which is about the time that the Bible tells us in the, in the early morning when God parted the Red Sea way back in the book of Exodus. So he's doing several things in this text to remind us of what God has done in the past to show us that God is doing the same kinds of things that God did then. He's doing them now in Jesus. Now, here's the great news. You can just read this story and not know any of that, and it still makes a ton of sense, right? You can see this story. You can see what Jesus does and go, whoa, he's a miraculous. He's amazing. There's something about him that I need in that space. You don't have to know that old story to have that connection, but there's something deeper about it when you do know that old story. So maybe think about movies that you've seen. So my kids are a little bit older, so I haven't seen like Frozen 2 or Sing 2. I did watch the first ones. I'm like an OG in that space. But I bet you there's stuff in Sing 2 that is referenced in the first Sing movie. Do you think so? I know some of the characters are the same. Maybe there's some things that you would pick up on if you watch the first movie and then you see the second movie. And I don't know about Frozen. I know there's probably some amazing singing in that thing. But, but you have some references in the second movie to the first movie. Hey, in a lot of ways, what Jesus is doing as he's doing real things in real life is pointing back to things that God did in the past, which gives us a kind of confidence that Jesus didn't just show up out of nowhere and start doing some random things. He's teaching us and showing us that he actually is God, and he's doing the same kinds of things that God did in the past. So moms and dads, if you look at that passage, you'll see several things that reference back to like Exodus 14 and and even the kind of the the Old Testament wanderings of God's people. And in fact, Matthew has really labored from the genealogy to the temptation of Christ in the wilderness, to even what's happening around his birth, to him teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew's been laboring to show us, hey, Jesus is in line with Moses, this one great prophet who rescued his people, which points us to the fact that we need another kind of rescue. So what he's doing is kind of weaving into this story a, a reminder that we were slaves, that we were in captivity, and God set us free. And we feel like we're still in slavery, we feel like we're still in captivity, and we need to be set free. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus is the one who could actually do that. So, so Jesus is on display here. Matthew wants us to see that he's reminding us of God's uh, grace and what he's done in the past, that he is showing us that he's God by reminding us of what God has done in the past. Even this idea of walking on water, we see it in like Job chapter 9 and Psalm 77. We see it in Psalm 107, these references to God trampling on the water and walking across the water. And these people knew their Bibles. When they saw that, they first think, man, this is a ghost. This is kind of a scary scene. It's late at night. It's dark. They've been in a storm for a long time. So they're, they're terrified, the text says. So out of fear, they first go, oh my gosh, maybe this is really dangerous. And then they would start to connect some dots about how God had promised things in the past, what he had done before that Jesus now seems to be redoing. Something about that is really cool. You don't have to have read the Old Testament at all to still see that he's really powerful. But Matthew wants in the show and tell to show us Jesus is in line with what God has always been doing. All right, number three. The third thing I want you to see on this like show and tell display 
Matthew wants us to see that Jesus is God by letting us experience his power both in faith and fear. Okay, here's what I mean by that. Peter saw Jesus. He knew these Old Testament stories. He hears Jesus say, it's me. And then he experiences him very differently when he gets out of that boat and when Jesus reaches down to grab him when he's drowning. It's an experiential kind of learning. Now, it's been a while since I've been in school, but I remember there were different ways to learn, right? Some of us learn by seeing, like visual learners. You watch something, and you see it, and you understand it. Some of us learn by, by reading things. You're kind of audible. You hear it, or you read it. And some of us learn by experience. Right? We touch stuff. So like when you go to Science City, like part of the reason why that's so cool is you get to like put your hands on things and touch things, and you get to push buttons, and things happen. So you're experientially part of what's going on when you touch this thing something happens and you learn a lot more one of my favorite times of show and tell when I was a kid is when somebody would bring their pet from home now the rules may have changed of show and tell like back in the 80s things were a little different we played with glass and things like that it was just a it was a different kind of day I get it so you may not be able to bring your pet to school now but when I was a kid people would bring their pets and maybe they had like a pet rabbit and they would be in the classroom all day long and so somebody would bring out their rabbit they would tell us about him, you know, and he would, you're not sure if he's going to poop on the floor, so it's kind of funny, you're kind of watching to see what's going to happen, and then they would pass the rabbit around the circle, and we would all get to actually touch and feel the rabbit. Now, we had seen the rabbit, we heard about the rabbit, and then we get to actually touch and experience the rabbit. Okay, with that in your mind, as Matthew is doing this huge show-and-tell thing, now Peter gets to move not just from seeing and hearing, but to experiencing. Remember, Matthew wants to show us that Jesus really is God. And so as he calls out to Peter to come out of that boat and come join him on the water, can you just imagine what that would be like? Like, I get scared, like, jumping off the high dive at the community swimming pool. Here's Peter in the middle of this massive storm, and we just know from the text that everybody's kind of afraid, but even in his fear, he says, Lord, in verse 28, if it's you, would you command me to come out on the water? Peter shows faith in Jesus and wants to experience Jesus even in these intense moments when he's really afraid. So he gets out of the water. I mean, that would like be in Peter's mind for forever. Think about the best memory you have, the thing that you're never, ever, ever, ever going to forget. This would be one of those moments for Peter where he stepped out of this boat onto the water. I mean, just imagine what that would have felt like, what that would have been like, all the waves crashing up, the moisture from the wind and the waves, the sounds, the darkness, all the things going on, everybody's screaming in the boat behind him. This would be like a really intense moment. And here's Peter steps out of the boat onto the water, and he experiences God's faithfulness and power in that moment, not just by seeing it or by hearing it, but by firsthand being in that moment. And then he begins to walk towards Jesus. And what does the text say? Peter's just like us. He's like a regular human person. He has this amazing faith, but he's also afraid. So he begins to doubt and be afraid, and he begins to sink. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. He notices the waves, and he begins to sink. And in verse 30, he says, Lord, save me. And he's right there with Jesus. Jesus reaches down and grabs his hand. Now, can you imagine like that feeling? I bet you Peter, for the rest of his life, would remember what it felt like to be sinking and have Jesus reach down and grab his hand. He's experiencing both in faith and in fear the power of Jesus. Remember, Matthew's trying to show us that Jesus really is God's son. That's the punchline 
of this whole thing. They see it all and they say, truly you are the son of God. He shows his power. He reminds us what God has done in the past. And Peter gets a chance to actually then experience it. What's amazing about Peter's story that I love so much is he is this mixture of faith and fear like all of us. Do you know that your parents sometimes get afraid? Hey, spouses, do you remember that your spouse sometimes gets afraid? And when we're afraid, we tend to act in ways that maybe aren't our best moments. And Christ actually wants to meet us there. There are things about the experience of being overwhelmed, the experience of having fear, the experience even of sinking, that we learn things about God only in that place that begin to actually change us. Because you can hear about God saving you. You can read about God saving you. But there's something about experiencing God saving you that changes you. Hearing about it is real. See it is real. When you feel it, when you experience it, when you can point to it in your real life, that kind of knowing actually changes us. In this huge show and tell, Matthew wants to say, here's God's son. Look at his power. Here's God's son. He's doing things that God has done in the past. Hey, here's God's son. Experience him both in your faith and in your fear in ways that you actually are transformed and changed. Because Peter will cry out to be saved. He'll say, Lord, Lord, save me. And that phrase would be in his ears the rest of his life as he would realize how much he needed Jesus, not just physically from storms and waves, but things that are spiritually to be saved from. Peter's biggest problem wasn't that he was drowning in that water, which is a massive problem. But the Bible says it's bigger than that, it's deeper than that, that spiritually the Bible describes all of us as drowning, as sinking, as, as in places of like pits that we can't get ourselves out of. That's the way the Bible talks about sin. And for Peter to cry out, Lord, save me, in his fear gives us permission to experience God when we're not doing well, when we're making mistakes, when we feel really afraid, when we feel really, really, really overwhelmed. In that spot, what we're learning is that God wants to meet us in the places where we feel most weak, where we feel most overwhelmed. It's not just these amazing moments of having faith to get out of the boat. He meets us in places of doubt. Kids, God wants to come close to you when you're most afraid, when you most have doubt. And actually experience him when you have doubts and when you're afraid is what leads us to actually worship in verse 33. God isn't just asking you to be amazing all the time, to only be strong. He wants to meet you when you actually feel weak. And so much of walking with Jesus is simply having a reflex of when we're in need, reaching out to God. So kids, you know, when you go to the doctor and they test your reflexes, you sit on that big cold table on that piece of paper, which you're like, why am I sitting on paper? I don't really know, but I'm sitting on this paper. And they take that little hammer and they hit you right above the knee right there, right? And then you kick just a little bit. It's not you don't kick the doctor, but you just kick a little bit. They're testing your reflexes. Hey, in a lot of ways, if you can have that in your mind, what it means to walk with Jesus is to have a reflex when I'm scared or when I'm afraid or I'm doubtful or I'm, I'm overwhelmed. In those spaces where I don't know what to do, to have a reflex to turn to Jesus, to ask for his help. But that's a lot of what faith is, is simply saying, Lord, would you save me? Lord, if it's you, would you have me come out of the boat? Lord, if it's really you who is God, then would you come and do what God promised to do to actually rescue and redeem and save me? This passage shows us Peter and all of his messes has a reflex to cry out, 
Lord. He does it twice. Lord, would you rescue? Lord, would you save me? Which is a key thing to actually experience God meeting us in our fears and in our doubts. And that's actually the place that we learned last week in those spaces of of doubt and fear and pain that God is most real to us. We most experience him powerfully in those spaces where we see our deepest need. And again, the Bible says our biggest need isn't just physical, it's spiritual. So this one who would come to show us power in this little storm came to actually show us power on the cross. There would be another time that Jesus would stretch out his hand, not just to come and pull someone out of water, but on the cross, he would stretch out his arms to die in our place, to make a way for us to be forgiven and free. And moms and dads, that's the kind of saving that you need. Kids, that's the kind of saving that you need. This story shows us physically what's possible spiritually. To see him rescue and save in those chaotic spaces means in the chaos of your life, God could redeem and rescue you. That's what Matthew wants us to see in this really beautiful, powerful story. You can trust Jesus because he's God. He showed his power. He did what God did in the past. And you can experience him in your fear and doubt actually beginning to save you. 945. Hey, as we go to communion, here's the hope that that idea would settle into your heart and stir more faith. It's not just something that we hear one time, but actually grows in our hearts. So this is the moment that we'll stop and take a deep breath. We'll pray and ask God to meet us. And then we'll say, God, would you help me actually trust you in the places where I need to be rescued and saved? So if you're a follower of Jesus, you'll come and take communion. The way we do it is we tear a piece of the bread off and we dip it in the cup. The bread represents the body of Jesus and the cup represents his shed blood. And what you're saying is, I believe you have the power to save me. And then maybe you could have in your mind, what's the biggest fear you have? What's the biggest doubt you have? Where are you actually struggling? And ask Jesus to meet you in that place like he met Peter in this place. If you're not a follower of Jesus or if you've never taken communion before, I invite you to stay in your seat and pray. There's some prayers in the back of your bulletin that would give you some examples of what it would sound like to pray. Moms and dads, you could pray with your children before you come and take communion. But take this moment just to ask God to meet with you, to speak to you, to actually communicate to you who he is and what he's like. You could even pray, God, if you are real, would you show yourself to me like you showed yourself to Peter? You could pray that prayer would be great in your seats. Would you bow your head with me and pray? And then we'll take communion. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thanks for what you've done. Thanks that you didn't just save us physically. You made a way for us to be saved spiritually. And thanks that you saved us by showing your power through your death, burial, and resurrection. It gives us hope not just for this life, but the life to come. So would you minister to us now? Would you communicate to children how much you love them? Would you communicate to adults how much you love them? I pray you'd stir faith in us to actually turn to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, there will be communion service up here at the front and gluten-free over here to my right, your left. There's some small cups as well, if that's more convenient for you. Let's take communion, and then we'll sing together.